In the next two lessons, we will consider the Parliament of the United Kingdom. Now, considering the preceding lesson on parliamentary sovereignty, you would understand the importance that the Parliament has in relation to the infrastructure of the United Kingdom, specifically considering the unwritten nature of UK's constitution. So to begin our series of lessons on the Parliament, we will consider the House of Commons. Now at the outset, it is important to note, and I've mentioned this in several lessons before as well, that the UK has a bicameral Parliament infrastructure. What this means is that the United Kingdom has two individual parliaments. On the one hand, you have the House of Commons, and on the other hand, you have the House of Lords. Now technically, the way these are structured is that the House of Lords is in fact higher than the House of Commons. But this is only on a theoretical basis, because practically it is the converse of this, as in the House of Commons yields much more power, uh, essentially, than the House of Lords. Now it is important to distinguish both Houses of Parliament at the very outset. So if we consider the House of Lords or the upper chamber, the composition of it is in fact appointed and not elected. So the appointments are made either by virtue of birth, which is the majority of them, or it's conferred uh, in a process known as conferring peerage, the definition of which we will consider a bit later on. Conversely, in relation to the House of Commons, it is a completely elected body. Now, due to convention and certain acts of parliament, the House of Lords has now very limited power, both in the context of parliamentary sovereignty as well as the parliament's operations and procedures as well as judicially when you consider the constitutional reform act of 2005 as well as the supreme court act of 2009 where the judicial powers vested with the house of lords has now been rescinded and given completely as an apex body to the supreme court of the uk we will now look at the composition of the house of commons or the elected body now, technically, there is something around 650 elected members of the House of Commons, and the general elections are held once every five years. We will consider now the composition in the context of the actors of Parliament, specifically that of the House of Commons, before we move on to the next lesson in which we will consider the House of Lords. On the one hand, you have the Speaker of Parliament. He or she is elected by winning majority support in the House of Commons, and he or she acts as a mediator between the parties. It must be also noted that the Speaker can only be appointed from within the House of Commons itself. The ruling party or the government is headed by the Prime Minister, who is also the head of state, technically. After the general election, and this was noted early on in the lesson as well, the Queen will appoint the leader of the party with the most votes as the Prime Minister. Now this is by way of convention and it is technically the responsibility of the Queen or the Crown to appoint the Prime Minister of UK and theoretically the Queen or the Crown rather can appoint anyone uh, who he or she chooses. But by convention and due to certain political measures in place, the Queen appoints the leader of the party which won the most number of votes in the House uh, as a Prime Minister. Now, converse to the government, you have the opposition, who acts pretty much as a watchdog of the government, who scrutinizes government during question time, during debates. Each minister of the government, and this is the most interesting bit about the opposition as well, 
each minister of the government has a corresponding shadow minister. It's considered that the opposition, due to this secondary point that I mentioned, is considered as the government in waiting. Now, an interesting position or an interesting actor within the parliamentary structure, specifically that of the House of Commons, is the whip. Now, quite simply, in a very succinct manner, a whip is a person who is appointed by either the government or the opposition to make sure that their respective members vote on issues in a certain way, as in collectively. So in this regard, the opposition and the government both have their own respective whips. It's important at this juncture to consider the legislative process of Parliament, in this case the House of Commons, and how exactly a bill uh, progresses to becoming an Act. Now an Act of Parliament is enacted by Parliament, but before it is in fact an Act, it is a bill. And once it goes through the procedure of both the House of Commons as well as the House of Lords, it might be enacted uh, as an Act. There are various types of bills in place as well. You have public bills, which applies to all members of society. You have private bills, which affects only a particular group of people or a particular body. Then you have hybrid bills, which has elements of both public and private bills. Then you have money bills, which are financial in nature, and a good example of which is the appropriations bill or, or the budget. Now, the passage of a bill itself is quite interesting, and it involves the complete bicameral structure which means the House of Commons, as well as the House of Lords. So firstly, a bill has its day in Parliament at the first reading, where the long title of the bill is read. Once the second reading is done, there is a debate of the bill which takes place. From that point onwards, it progresses to the committee stage, where there is a relevant committee based on the bill in question, for instance, either Justice or Home Affairs, and it's scrutinized within this committee. Once the committee is done with it, there's a report stage and then the third reading, following which the bill will progress from the House of Commons to the House of Lords. At this point, it will be scrutinized and then it receives royal assent, at which point the bill becomes an act. Now, it's notable that even in this day and age, a bill becomes an act only after the royal assent is provided or the royal seal of approval is given to it. Now, it's important to recollect at this point uh, a lesson that we covered earlier in the context of UK having been considered a constitutional monarchy. And this is a very good example to showcase how, as a democratic country, the United Kingdom still has remnants of uh, the monarchical system in place and how, in fact, it acts in its own way as a check and a balance. And you'll understand this a bit better once we go into the House of Lords lesson as well. Now, throughout this legislative process, throughout the passage of bills, it's important to note that the scrutiny of the bills actually occurs during the second reading as well as the committee stage. If you would note during the process that we discussed earlier, the debate on the bill actually occurs during the second reading. Finally, it gets filtered down into the committee stage where the relevant committee further scrutinizes it. What we have discussed thus far is in fact primary legislation. But delegated legislation is in fact also important when you consider the operation of the Act itself at whatever period it is enacted. Therefore, delegated legislation can be considered as the laws made under the authority of an Act of Parliament. So these are basically the allowances provided to ministers, authorities and departments to make whatever bylaws, whatever orders in council and regulations that are required. Now that we have considered 
one part of the bicameral parliamentary structure of the United Kingdom, which is the House of Commons. We will move on to considering the upper chamber or the House of Lords.